Dear friends, it's the midweek. We are back with David in the book of 1 Samuel. We're in chapter 18. And there's going to be a lot of themes picked up together in this chapter. It carries on right on the heels of the story of the slain of Goliath. And so we don't have a huge break here, but we do start off with this summary section at 18 verse 1. But we're going to see come together here is how the new king, David, who's been anointed as king, is going to be brought into the household of the old king. And we're going to see it drive Saul crazy. But we're going to see the hand of God on David for his protection and for his vindication. But let's just jump right into it. Chapter 18, starting verse 1 of the book of First Samuel. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So this is right after David has talked with Saul after defeating Goliath. And the first thing that happens afterwards is that Jonathan, who is probably a bit older than David, but is Saul's firstborn son, famous from a few chapters ago in defeating the Philistines with his armor bearer, he loves David as his own soul, and they're knit together. So Jonathan says, ah, here is a man of God and a hero of Israel, and I love him. He takes him under his wing. Verse 2, and Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house, so now he's brought permanently into the service of Saul. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan, Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor, and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Now, so this connects to the last chapter. Remember, David was gifted Saul's armor for the battle with Goliath, but he didn't want to keep it because he had never tested it. So he'd never worn it into battle. He was just going to go in to fight the giant as he'd fought the bear and fought the lion before. But this is a different thing. Jonathan is um, equipping David, and essentially he's like funding his battle ability. He's like paying for battle ink he's starting a company of war for david and giving him all this warrior's gear plus as well kind of welcoming him into his inner circle as well as identifying with him as well as providing for him so all this stuff is happening but he gives david all of his own war gear that doesn't mean that jonathan wouldn't have any he might have gotten his own new stuff but by doing this he's showing acceptance as well as equipping him for battle and David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So there's a bit of a summary sentence in verse 5 about um, multiple battles being happened here. And David is successful wherever he goes, and the people love it. And then we're going to, throughout the rest of this chapter, see kind of the inner machinations and the, the ups and the downs and the good and the evil that is all involved with David's success here. Verse 6, And as they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing, to meet King Saul with tambourines and with songs of joy and with musical instruments. So this is a good thing. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousand, and to me they have ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. So this is pretty early on here. So it says that this is when they came down from striking down the Philistine. And I understand that to be Goliath. 
if it had said Philistines, it would have been like one of these regular battles David was having. But I understand this to be like when he struck down the capital T, capital P, Philistine, that means Goliath. The women come out in their victory song. So this would have been normal things for the women to come out and sing and dance and to celebrate it. And they'd written this song. Stahl struck down his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Now, if you've been catching me with uh, Proverbs and Psalms, uh, Hebrew poetry works by uh, thought rhymes and by progression. So Saul is one thought, David is the next thought. Struck down is similar to both things, the thing that changes is the number. How do you progress from the number thousand? Well, they increase it up to 10,000. I don't know if David's actually struck down 10,000s at this time because it seems like he's just getting started. But the Hebrew poetry demands some kind of progression from the first line to the second line. And this is how the thing is working. Saul struck down his thousands, David his ten thousands, and they're celebrating this victory. But when Saul hears it, he hears a comparison and he hears himself with the smaller number, and so he gets bit with envy. He's breaking the Tenth Commandment here, and now he's envious of David and threatened by him because David has had this victory. Now, you could go back and say, why didn't Saul fight Goliath? Then, if, if Saul wanted to be on top in all the battles, he could have gone out and fought Goliath, and then he could have been the main guy in both these lines, but he didn't. David did, and now David, by getting any kind of glory and celebration that's pretty much too much for Saul. And so Saul is now suspicious of David, even though David has only done him good so far. Verse 10. The next day a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Saul had a spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall, but David evaded him twice. So this is how bad it is, is that Saul goes crazy. Remember from two chapters ago, David is in the habit of playing music for Saul to try to calm him as these um, harmful spirits are upon him. And now Saul is so enraged that, and so his, um, his madness is characterized by this envy and feeling threatened by David that he wants to take his royal spear and kill David with it. And it sounds like he th throws it at David twice and that David evades him both times. So he's in a dangerous workplace environment and not really getting any extra danger pay. And also note that the last time someone tried to kill David, it was Goliath. And so now Saul, in some kind of perversion of story here, has become the Goliath that's trying to kill David. And David's evading him instead of slaying him. Verse 12, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and had departed from Saul. So this is the, the root cause here is Saul's unbelief is taking over and he sees David's faith in that God is with him. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand and he went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all his undertakings for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. But all of Israel and Judah loved David for he came, went out and came in before them. So Something's developing here um, where Saul wants to quote-unquote deal with David by sending him into battle, into dangerous battle, with the hope that somewhere along the lines um, a war will devour him. Uh, he doesn't want to kill himself because, you know, after he throws the spear at him he, and he sees David evading, he realizes, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this myself. David's a better warrior than me. He's too skilled and God's with him. Now he's hoping that random battle will take him out. 
which doesn't totally make sense because if he really believes that God's with him, he could have thought it through that God's going to protect him. But Saul is going, uh, his unbelief is taking over. The flesh is taking over here. And so he's not thinking straight. This is called the noetic effect of sin, where sin deprives people of the capacity to think clearly about facts in front of them, to think clearly about the world, to, to see God as in, in, ruling over the world. Even when we believe in God, we can't think clearly about God. And Saul has a very bad case of the noetic effects of sin, where he can't think straight because of sin and because of his unbelief. And so backfire central, he sends David out in charge of the army in order to get killed in battle. But instead, God gives him great success and the people love David more. Everybody loves a winner and David is the biggest winner they've ever had since the days of Moses. And so everybody loves David because of his great success in battle. And of course, there's consequences. This isn't just like a sports team. When David's successful in battle, that means the Israelites are have way more peace from attack from the Philistines. This is war. And when the Philistines win, Israelites die. Israelite women get ravished and pillaged and hauled off into slavery. Israelite children get hauled off into slavery. And so the more David wins, the more every Israelite is safer. And so that's part of why they love him. Verse 17, then Saul said to David, here is my elder daughter, Merib. I will give her to you for a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul, Saul thought, let not my hand be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. And David said to Saul, who am I and who are my relatives and my father's clan in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? But at that time when Merib, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, she was given to Adriel, the Meholathite, excuse me, for a wife. So this is an interesting point here. Now, remember Saul had promised to whoever defeated Goliath in the last chapter, he had promised him that one of his daughters would be given to the victor in marriage. And so Saul is probably slowly coming around to fulfill this vow that the defeater of Goliath would become his son-in-law through marriage. And Saul says, I want to do this for you, be valiant and fight the Lord's battles. But in his heart, he's hoping that the Philistines will kill him. So see, Saul is duplicitous. He's concealing with his mouth his evil heart. I think there's even a proverb about that, about people, the wicked concealing themselves with their words. Um, you can look it up. David's response is, a sense of humility and maybe evasiveness. Now, remember, David by this time has survived a murder attempt. And so maybe he's not super excited about becoming um, Saul's son-in-law, but we don't totally know what's going on. All we have is this question where David pleads his lack of royal heritage to evade marrying Merib. And so what happens when it's time for Merib to get married, she's instead given to somebody else and David doesn't become a son-in-law. Now let's just press pause here. There's something going on here too, because this scene reminds us of a time later on in David's life when because he, um, of his relationship with a woman, he wants the enemies of Israel to deal with somebody, quote unquote. And this is a bit of a foreshadow of Bathsheba and how David's going to 
be like Saul and use the enemies of Israel to kill somebody that it's expedient for David to make disappear in Uriah because David impregnates Uriah's wife. And so later on when we hear the story of David and Bathsheba, what we're actually seeing there is David becoming like Saul again and using battle and using kingly authority to and a woman manipulatively to try to uh, do self-preservation instead of being a faithful servant of the Lord. But in Saul's case, he wants to use the potential for a royal bride in order to get David killed by the Philistines. And David avoids that by saying, I'm not really worthy of this. Now, verse 20. Now Saul's daughter Michal loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. Saul thought, let me give her to him, that she may be a snare for him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, you shall now be my son-in-law. Saul commanded his servants, speak to David in private, and say, behold, the king has delighted in you, and all his servants love you now, then become the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servant spoke those words in the ears of David, and David said, Does it seem to you a little thing to become the king's son-in-law, since I am a poor man and have no reputation? Now we can just press pause there. Again, Saul's motivation here, trying to use his daughters to snare a man by getting him killed by the Philistines. This is more like Laban. Remember, Laban is, is using Leah in order to ensnare Jacob into more years of service. and So this is kind of gross manipulative stuff and when they go to try to persuade David they lie to him to say the king delights in him he doesn't the servants do but the king doesn't they're trying to get David ensnared through this daughter and David responds again saying hey this is no big deal I'm a poor man which may be true Jesse may not be super rich compared to everybody else and have no reputation again that's not true David right now has this full reputation so in one sense in the eyes of the people he's worthy of it but he's trying to dodge this thing and the servants of Saul told him thus and so did David speak and Saul said thus so you say to David the king desires no bride price except a hundred foreskins of the Philistines that he may be avenged on the king's enemies now Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines and when his servants told David these words it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law before the time expired, David arose and went with his men and killed 200 of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, which were given in full number to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him his daughter Michal for a wife. But when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michal, Saul's daughter, loved him, Saul was even more afraid of David. So Saul was David's enemy continually. Okay, so again, super massive backfire again. He hears that David says the issue is the bride price. So he's not rich enough to actually compensate Saul for this marriage. And this was customary back then that if you're going to marry the man's daughter, you would, you would, I don't know if buy her is the right word, but you'd compensate the family for the loss of a daughter by providing a bride price of some kind. And David is saying, I don't have this bride price. And so the king says, aha, so I will get David killed by having this bride price that isn't money but is warfare, dangerous warfare, hand-to-hand -hand combat. And of course, the Philistines didn't have foreskins because they weren't, or they did have foreskins because they weren't circumcised, whereas Israelites didn't have foreskins because they were Philistines. So by 
getting the foreskins, you know that this person is dead because no one would willingly let you take their foreskin off of them. And so David is super excited about this. He has a change of heart. Um, and he goes out and gets 200 of them. So he's going to double down and say, well, look how excited I am. Now, the end result is that David gets married to a wife that actually likes him. She loves him. He's excited for it. Saul's plan has totally backfired. Now he knows again, again, again that the Lord is with David. And he's even more afraid. And it's funny that instead of repenting, he just hates David more because he, David won't die. This is why he's so upset. I keep trying to kill this guy and he won't die. I just hate him. And so you can see that Saul is going so mad. Even though, look, all this good stuff is happening around him. The Philistines are being driven back. The Philistines are being defeated. He's got two daughters married off. One of them's been married off to the greatest hero of Israel, Israel's day. Like, there's so many good things happening, but Saul is just more and more gripped by his bitterness. Excuse me. Verse 30. Here's a summary that's going to wrap things up. Then the commanders of the Philistines came out to battle, and as often as they came out, David had more success than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was highly esteemed. So the great big summary of this chapter is, is that God really is with David. And he's knitting David into this royal household, protecting him from Saul's duplicity, protecting him from Saul's machinations, and even blessing him with victory in battle, with love from Jonathan, and a, a wife who loves him. And so the blessings of God are on David in the midst of this dangerous situation. But there is a foreshadowing of David going, who's going to ruin his own kingship through becoming more like Saul and less like old David through the whole Bathsheba episode where David is going to imitate Saul's manipulations to deal with the problem by the hand of the sword, the sword in the hand of his enemies, which is not good. And we're meant to remember that. And so here's an exhortation for us that we ought to aim to just live simply with the Lord by faith and not try to be manipulative, control things, but humbly do the tasks that God has given us with faith, trusting that he can sort things out and trusting that when God is with us through Jesus Christ, he can protect us in the midst of danger. Um, David rightly says later on in Psalm 23, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And so David's experiencing this now where David has been brought into the household of the one man who hates him most and wants him dead the most. And yet David is experiencing all this blessing in the midst of that hostility. And we have the same God as our father. Amen. Amen.